Could we stand to our feet? Bow our heads and commit this part of the service to the Lord. Our Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for truth. Thank you that you have chosen to put truth into such beautiful and relevant contexts in each one of our lives. Thank you that we can learn about truth in our relationships. We can learn about truth through the example of how you have related to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, revealing your will, revealing your person, revealing your attributes, the depth of the glories, of your purity, of your holiness, of your justice, of your righteousness, of your love, and of your anger, of your judgment. All perfected. And demonstrated in your relationship with us. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for this morning and the truth that we've heard. Thank you for the the beauty of your word uh, applied. And I just pray, Lord, that again, this part of the service, you would, by your spirit, open up our hearts, Lord Jesus. By your spirit, speak to us. Uh, use your word. May your word accomplish the purpose in which it was written, for which it was written, for which it was um translated into our language, given into our hands, Lord, I pray that um, you would guide my lips to rightly use your word and our hearts to rightly apply them to our lives. Lord, we need you. We just uh, invite you. Come, meet with your people here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 for an introductory verse, passage, a few verses. Um. Before doing that, I'd just like to uh, bless each one who's played a part in the service already this morning, uh, specifically Brother Lindell, for what you shared with us. It was very blessed, ministered to me. And I just, I think I would like to share with the rest of you something I know about Brother Lindell, which added a whole lot of meaning to the words he shared. Um, most of you, I'm sure, know Brother Lindell a whole lot more than I do. You've been uh, around him a little longer than I have. 
I, I haven't um, had any long, deep conversations with him yet. I expect that there will be more coming. I've had a few, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Um, but I really appreciate the lessons he drew from the, the life of uh, David. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, the lessons he drew from the life of David had to do with his humility and had to do with his ability to admit when he was wrong and to uh, value, do what it takes in his relationships. <clears throat> and this, is, this is, isn't probably central necessarily to, to exactly the point that Brother Lindell was making um, but uh, he did talk about relationships a little bit there, and we're going to be looking at that here this morning in, in the words I have to share. Um, so, in the last couple of weeks, I had the privilege to watch my brother relate to relationship. Um, and it was unfortunate, I think. It, maybe it's hard to know exactly who or how there was mistakes made, um, uh, miscommunications, probably misaligned expectations, um, <clears throat> business, personal. I think I was pretty much the only one that really witnessed it and, and, and kind of just happened to be there and see what happened. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, if someone makes a mistake, doesn't respond right, it, it's unfortunate. You don't want that kind of thing to happen, especially if, you know, if there's misunderstandings or miscommunication uh, or even a wrong response from someone's heart. Uh, but you know, in recent, in, in, in the following couple of days, I, I kept pondering that and, and what happened there. And, uh, I started to thank God for it. And we're going to look at Thanksgiving a little bit here and, and, and different ways in which we can be thankful in relationships. I started to thank God for it because I said, I, I just in my heart, I was pondering and praying about it. God, you allowed this situation. It's a real life situation. In real living, we encounter things that call for a response. Is that right? And we can respond rightly, we can respond, wrong, respond wrongly. And often, or I think we can count on every time, if we respond wrongly, it's going to escalate. Maybe the next cycle, the next person can then de-escalate it, but it's going to escalate and there's going to be more wrong and more damage done. Um, <clears throat> but I had the privilege... To, to watch my brother uh, do his best, I believe, as quickly as he could uh, to, to de-escalate and to bend over backwards to, to value the relationship more than the instance. <clears throat> I learned from that. I was blessed by that. <clears throat> so thank you, brother. And um, just that context, I could put the words you had to share here this morning. And I think it's a good illustration for some of what we're going to look at. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4 um, <clears throat> for context, I'm going to start in verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, I'm not a butcher. Some of you, I'm sure, are more than I am. But I, I, you know, if you live at all in Africa, you're going to skin a goat at least every once in a while. Or, you know, you're going to watch someone do it or something. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, they get down, they skin down to the, on, on, on the leg, the joint there. And 
there's different ways you can you can you can do it. You can um, just break the bone, break it apart. But I see some skilled uh, butchers that take their knife and they just, just without much effort, they can just kind of work right through that joint there on the leg and cut the tendon and just cut and cut right down through the joint and just pops real easy. A little bit of precision, a little bit of uh, <clears throat> carefulness needed there. I don't know if that's what he had in mind when he says the joints and marrow. Um, <clears throat> but obviously he's talking about something deep, very, very deep, discerning the thoughts, discerning the motives of the heart. I have motives in my heart I often don't understand myself. And to have someone else discern them in me, that's, that's depth. Okay, <clears throat> verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Children's lesson we heard. You can't hide. Is that right? Can't hide from God. <clears throat> All things are naked and opened. There's light there. There's revelation there. There is truth there. There is honesty there. There is bare, open, all bare, hiding nothing. None of us are completely naked and open here this morning. Whether physically... And that is appropriate. Or emotionally. Or spiritually. I would vouch to say, I don't want to be negative here, uh, but let's be real. I don't think any of us are 100% that in any of our relationships. <clears throat> but whether you make yourself naked and open to God or not, he sees it all. Right? <clears throat> so we'll look at uh, human relationships. Purposeful Honest relationships, and <clears throat> some of you might know that is what I uh, have uh, I have on my plate to teach next week. So I want to just share a little bit of the heart, a little bit of the core um, of uh, some of the burden that, uh, by God's grace, I hope to expound on in Bible school next week. I'm going to do a bit more Tanzanian style. Uh, I think we our, our minds are simpler than we think sometimes. If I give you ten points about relationships, I don't know what the chances are that you remember all ten points by next week if we give, give a quiz. Uh, <clears throat> or seven steps to a good, healthy relationship. I could do that. Um, <clears throat> and there's benefit definitely in doing that sometimes. And I, I admire those who can do that well. Uh, but I'm going to give you two points. And they're in the form of questions. And we're just going to kind of circulate around them a little bit and just look at some different thoughts, um, <clears throat> share some thoughts, some observations that are on my heart, and look at a few scriptures. Um, <clears throat> it's not so much, I don't believe, in the answer that you give. Um, I think a good answer becomes obvious based on your knowledge of God's word and experiences that you have in relationships. But I think the harder part and the more important part is to ask these questions. 
to ask these questions and seek for answers. <clears throat> First one is why, and the next one is how. Why do you have a relationship? You fill in the blank with that person, that brother at church, that sister, that mother-in-law, that husband, that wife, that child, that father, that mother. Why? Why do you have a relationship with this person? There could be more than one right answer. There obviously could be some very wrong answers. Um, what What you want to do is to find out what the truth is. What is the why? And then, by God's grace, understand God's purpose for that relationship. You have a purpose. But what's God's purpose? And... What steps can you make to move your purpose in God's direction? The next question is how? How deep is it? Why do you have a relationship and how deep is it? Um, I believe, this is on my own life experience and observing others, What we have before us today, the subject of relationships, uh, is foundationally what can cause you the most, the deepest pain. So, you know, I've worked the last several days, I've nicked my finger or whatever, I have a couple cuts, uh, maybe I hit my thumb, uh, I've had pain this last week. Physical pain. <clears throat> I haven't had extreme physical pain. I know like others people have experienced. But my guess is almost everyone, no matter what pain you've experienced physically, would most of us would still point to relationships as something that sticks with us more. Is more is is. Uh, <clears throat> Pain that can happen in relationships is a a deeper pain. So, why do you have a relationship? If in relationships, that's where you're going to experience pain. And the deeper the relationship, the deeper the pain. The deeper potential for pain. Think about your relationships. Think about your closest relationships. Uh, also, <clears throat> relationships have that much potential to unlock joy. <clears throat> joy. Pain and joy. And I believe the deeper the relationship, the more potential for joy and the more potential for pain. <clears throat> Purposeful, honest relationships. So, a couple of definitions. Uh, according to Webster, the relationship. First, a connection, association, or involvement. Second definition, connection between persons by blood or marriage, kinship. The third definition uh, is what we're looking at. An emotional or other connection between people. 
We can look at the word relate definition to give an account of or to bring into or establish association or connection to relate events or probable causes to have reference or relation. And the fourth definition is what we're looking for to have or establish a sympathetic relationship or understanding. <clears throat> so why do you have a relationship with that purpose, with that person? <clears throat> God has a purpose for every relationship. Do I understand that purpose? Do I understand God's purpose? Do I then have that same purpose? And then am I purposeful about realizing that purpose in my relationship? So let me take, for example, I have a relationship with my son. Okay, I have uh, three of them here, so I'm not picking anyone. I have a relationship with one of my sons. And God has a purpose for that relationship. Now, my responsibility is to find out what is that purpose that he has between for the relationship between me and my son and to find out do I have that same purpose? Probably not perfectly. And what purposeful steps can I take to move towards God's purpose for my relationship with my son? <clears throat> <clears throat> so <clears throat> I, I gave title for my, my series next week um, Relationships and Honesty and Purpose and putting it that way I've had a couple more than one person come and say huh I don't get the connection <laughs> I said good that was the right question I want you to think that I want to <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> I think it's a bit more helpful to put it this way, purposeful, honest relationships. I want to see the, the connection between honesty and relationships. Um, and this, this, this has just kind of been a, a slow thing, kind of coming clearer and clearer in my heart through various relationships, which, which you have the privilege, we tend to, in the way we do church and lifestyle uh, and community in Africa, we tend to, to uh, it seems to me, um, get thrown into um, messy, uh, close-up, kind of relationships a bit more than what we are forced to do here. Some of us choose to, some of us choose not to. You can kind of make your choice here. <clears throat> um, and, you know, many interpersonal relationships between families, team life, um, church life, and um, <clears throat> you either you invest, you, you, you swim or sink. In relationships, um, you, you find out what it's going to take and you do what it takes or things do not go well. Um, <clears throat> I'll say a little bit more about that a little bit later. Um, so that's where some of this burden comes from. Um, also realizing that in church life, meaningful church life, um, fulfilling church life, church life that connects and makes us um, bonded, makes us a unit, makes us what God wants us to be. Uh, provide the medium for God to work um, in us and through us. Uh, there is much that hangs on relationships. <clears throat> much that hangs on relationships. So I was pondering these different things. Um, 
not deep yet into relationships here on the state side. And I went to a wedding. Um, and there was a speaker who preached at that wedding. Um, and he made some observations, some statements about what's uh, central, what's important to relationship and a growing and, and prospering relationship. And that ha- uh, really, really rang clear with me. And I think that is where um, some of this uh, burden crystallized a bit <clears throat> for me. I'll get you a quote from that um, a little bit later <clears throat> from that sermon. The connection between relationships and honesty. Are you honest in your relationships? Now, we're not talking so much about um, do you tell lies in your marriage? And if you tell lies, that makes a bad marriage. We're talking about this thing of being open. Really allowing your true self to show. Honesty in relationships. In relationships, we have expectations. Relate, uh, expectations are very, very, very powerful. Aligning those expectations with any person or group makes you extremely, uh, it, 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 I believe, magnifies, um, it multiplies, perhaps even exponentially, your potential. So, I have my abilities. My wife has her abilities. We can get along, and it's one plus one equals two. We can get twice as much done together. Right? Um, my, the combined of me and her. But if we are connected, we have relationships where we have the same expectations about everything in life. How we walk with God, how we train our children, how we order the house, how we schedule our days, um, what our values are, how we dress, how much time we put into ministry, how much time we talk to the neighbor, how much time we talk to our children. Husbands and wives, you know, we talk about, I hope we talk about these things. These are issues in our marriages. If we align those expectations, I believe we become more than just the ability of me and the ability of her. I believe that combined... We are multiplied of what we can do. And take that then times 10. Take that times 20. Take that times how many are we in this room? Relationships. We have expectations. We have, um, I'm just going to say a few different phrases that I think will ring a bell with you. You've heard these kind of phrases. And think about what they might mean. I failed you. I failed you. Ever heard someone say that? Or this person failed that person. Business, it could mean that they didn't come through. They didn't do the job the way they said they were supposed to. Okay, so that's not completely honest. Uh, they didn't keep their side of the contract. Um, <clears throat> but it, usually it's used in, in a deeper relationship. It's used where well, there's some emotional expectation. 
And many times it can happen where I failed you. Not because, I would say probably most times, not because I intended to, not because I wanted to rub salt on a wound, but you had an expectation, and I did not meet that expectation. So the point is whether, whether or not I wanted to. The point is, was your expectation met? And when it wasn't, I probably caused pain. <clears throat> I failed you. Or I failed in that relationship. The relationship has failed. I could have many failures in a relationship, and I have. I have failed many times in my marriage, but my marriage has not failed. There's a difference. <clears throat> Amen. There's a difference. And I believe all of us here have many relationships here in this room that uh, we have failed, but the relationship hasn't failed. In fact, the relationship can actually, there can be a new pocket of potential unlocked. For each failure. That honestly would not have been known. Would not have been realized. There's levels of depth. There's levels of understanding and even trust that can be built through the proper handling of a failure. That is true of some types of failure more than others. That is true of some types of failure more than others. But humbly, voluntarily, honestly, coming Confessing, owning our failures like we heard this morning already. <clears throat> Those are powerful ways to build trust. <clears throat> um, let's just turn quickly to James. We have this instruction. And uh, this is necessary for us to, to be made right with God and right with our brother. Um, but let's think of this in the context of relationships. In verse uh, chapter 5 of James, verse 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I can ask something of my wife or my one of my children. If I have a connection there... That request goes much further. The response is much different. Quicker. More thorough. More eager. If there's a breakdown and there's a little bit of lack of trust, if there's a barrier, if there's something I'm not owning up to, what do you think the response is going to be? And God is the same way. Confess your faults so that you can be healed. You're praying for something? There is, there is a lack of flow. God, God is hindered. God has put principles in place in creation in our relationships that he himself is bound by. God's power is limitless, but he will follow the order in which he has put in place, even his relationship with us. Is it not true? <clears throat> to the point that I think what we can get from the tenor of this passage You're hiding sin in your life. You're hiding something. You're not being naked, open, and honest. God, by his own laws, cannot answer that prayer. As much as he might want to.
So confession. Confession is one thing. You're hiding a sin before God. Open up. Confess. You're hiding a wrong between you and relationship with another person. Open up. Make yourself vulnerable. Go further than what you think you would need to and say, I did wrong. I could have done better. Those things help. Let's look at a little bit another level of honesty in relationships. What about um, being able to tell that other person the truth of the good and the bad that you see in that person? I've heard stories. I've even seen it in certain situations in my, my own life where a father cannot find it within him to compliment one of his children when he's done well. Why is that? He just can't find it within him. He can't be honest with him and tell him, son, you did it well. Good job. I was pleased with you. I was impressed. There is sometimes simply an emotional lockup. There's places that father probably has never gone, his relationship with his father, or depth in relationship with any other. And so, there he is. He's stuck. Can you guess? you have any indication from that? What his relationship is like with God, his father in heaven? <clears throat> Honesty. To be able to say, this is the way it is. This is what I see. This is good. And here's something that's not so good. Emotionally, there is, uh, there's things that makes us hesitate. There's things that makes us stop and think hard. Before we bring a exhortation to another brother in the church. And rightfully so, rightfully so, we have the instruction that uh, you are supposed to, you, you are to examine yourself first. Uh, there's right ways and wrong ways to bring an exhortation uh, And uh, we have instruction that uh, an elder, you are to entreat as a father. You don't go and rebuke your elder. But you might say, I think I see something. You know, please, could you take a look at this? You would entreat him. But if I am... Repeatedly, habitually failing in the same thing in my life. Am I going to have the strength or the boldness or even the right to go and exhort someone else who's failing in that same way? The unhandy thing is that the things that are hardest for me to have victory in, those are the things things that that, that are my weaknesses. Those are the things that I tend to see the quickest in others. (laughs) 
The other thing to consider that makes us stop, hesitate a bit when there's a need in someone else's life is, is that person going to be able to handle it? Is that person going to be bettered by this or not? Is that person going to be able to learn and gain and profit from this need? If I bring it to his attention, to her attention? Or is it going to cause a rift in our relationship? Is it going to cause a reaction? Is it going to cause um, a, 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 a wound? challenge is that we often don't know. challenge is that until you know that person well, you can't even make a good judgment call. And if you do know that person well, and you do make a good judgment call, that other person has a part in the responsibility of what to do with this, this bit of nakedness that's exposed. This bit of exposing, opening up. Naked honesty. We can, after proper precaution, proper examining our hearts, proper... Um, ability to be open about our own needs, trying to know the person as well as we can, to know how much and in what way to be able to share the need in that person's life, there is still always a risk. And some of us do not want to face those risks. Some of us do not feel we need to. But I like to just raise up a bit of a vision that God has pursued you. God has pursued me. God has placed in order in this creation, He has placed relationships, He's placed family. And he has instituted the institution of the church. And he didn't do that just for us to avoid each other. He has a purpose. He wants us to realize that purpose. He wants us to get in there and put it to work. So, If God has given me resources, simplest uh, illustration, God has provided you with health and strength and work and job and farm and business, whatever it is, and and you have a bank account, and then there's $2,000 or there's $200 or there's $2 million, whatever it is in that bank account, that's a resource which we feel... We have good ethics. We, 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 we have principles for how to handle these kind of resources. We feel responsible. I can't just lavish, lavish it on myself. I can't just, as one steward did, went and just bury it in the ground and then return it to the master. I have to do something with this. We try to handle it well and responsibly and use it for God's glory. 
And so it is with relationships. God has given you relationships. They are resources. Perhaps more powerful than a bank account. Now, the beautiful thing is, in God's kingdom, you can translate physical things into um, things for the kingdom of God. It can be used, uh, if done very carefully, in building relationships the way God wants to build relationships. Truth. Let us focus a little bit on the relationship between relationships and truth. Many people have this mindset that if I am going to be a person who is heavy on the side of truth, I'm not going to have any good relationships. I might burn bridges. People won't like me. We think of truth and relationships kind of as two different sides of a scale. Right? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe not always. But it's kind of like you choose one or the other. Or you choose a bit of one and a bit of the other. You lose one or you lose the other if you put too much on one side of the scale. Relationship versus truth. I like to say that that perhaps is worldly thinking. Maybe that's not understanding God's purpose. God's purpose for relationships. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. Here we have the institution of this thing called relationships. Now, let's note I should qualify that human relationships because there is an us before all this beginning in verse 26. He said, let us make man in our image. Well, there's a discussion going on between a plurality there. We believe that it's the one God, but it is the plurality of the Trinity. So God in his very essence and who he is as one God, God has relationship within himself. He has a discussion. There's a conferring going on. And they, they God, not they gods, but they God, agree together to venture on this very risky business of engaging, creating even, a relationship with another being outside of God. So God ventures to create human relationships. And look at the world around us, you can see the results of the risk. <clears throat> you can see what he's endured. God created man in his own image, someone that he could relate to. I had a discussion the other day about body parts, the last Sunday here at the fellowship meal. Um, we're made in God's image. 
Does that mean I respect my hand in a certain way because this hand is made like God's hand or my hair? Well, we cut off our hair, right? Cut off our fingernails. We had talked about some of these things. And what, what took my mind back to uh, many times is we would teach uh, methodically Genesis to Revelation, teaching those who are heathen, basically have no knowledge or very little knowledge of the, God, of, of the word. And we would get to this thing and try to introduce the concept of the Trinity. And we try to introduce the concept of us being made in God's image. God is a spirit. He does not have a body. So what does it mean to make us in his image? Well, God has the ability to choose. God has the ability to love. And God has the ability to know. He created us with those abilities. In the animal kingdom, there's certain levels of some of that, but nothing even close to us. So he created us with a, a level of the ability to choose, to make a choice, so that we could choose him. He created us with the ability to know, to learn, to develop our men, mental faculties, so that we can learn to know him. He created us with the ability to love, emotional connection, a bonding, uh, a, 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 a giving of yourself, connecting because he loves, and he wants us to love him. I think there we have the core. There we have the foundation. And the rest of humanity has done many different things with that. This book is about relationships. I've heard those kind of statements made before with the mindset of relationships and truth kind of in a scale. You've heard those kind of statements. When I hear those kind of statements about, well, God's a God of relationship, in the context of this trade-off between truth and relationship, something goes, Ugh. I disagree. But you can't disagree because God is a God of relationship, so you, can't, you have no argument, right? <clears throat> can't deny the fact God's a God of relationships. But when it's said to make a point that we can't emphasize truth too much, something does not feel right. I believe at the core where we go wrong there is we are viewing relationships from a worldly um, man-centered perspective. The relationship's about me. The relationship's about making me feel good or it's even about the other person and about making him feel good. So why do you have a relationship with that, per with that person? Why do you have this relationship? with any particular person. In verse 31, it says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. <clears throat> Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he revealed on the seventh day, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Not because God was tired, but because God had perfected his creation. It was finished. Um, farmers, how many uh, of you have harvested corn? Probably not all of it yet. Harvested the fields. Maybe you've planted wheat. Maybe you worked some long night hours in the process. Did you stop because you were tired? Maybe you had to. You're human. You did it. You had to take some breaks. But 
the end of the season, you stop. You're looking forward to some months where you're not going to be working quite so hard. You're looking forward to some rest. Am I right? Why? You're going to be resting because you're just too tired. You can't work anymore. You're going to be resting from that field work because it's finished. God created man. He put in motion these principles of relationships. And he rested because he was confident he had put things in place in perfection. In perfection. In this perfect state, before we move on, let's look at the end of chapter 2. This is built on. This is There's more detail given here throughout the chapter 2 of how all this actually happened. First, he just kind of states very simply there in chapter 1 how that he created man. But he talks about how he created marriage in more detail here in chapter 2, how he gave, uh, he, he created woman and he brought them together and he gets to observe now, he gets to put into motion this most intimate of human relationships w- with each other, which best comes closest to illustrating the relationship that God has with or he desires to have with mankind. So here within basically one chapter, we have both of the most foundational relationships initiated, created by God. And because of Adam's recognition of that in verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, we have marriage. A man should leave father and mother cleave to his wife, and be one flesh. And the result is our ideal in every relationship. 25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, in a marriage, the beauty, the bonding, the power... I would venture to say is mostly, if not exclusively, in the knowing and the making known, rather than exactly what you find when you know and make known. God made each person unique. But you have a powerful oneness a powerful uniqueness in your relationship with your married partner because this other person is willing to give a himself or herself and to be this known to me. Is that right? I can go a long ways in forgiving a lot of what people would call flaws. Physically, emotionally, even spiritually. But there is a powerful preciousness when that other person reveals those flaws. Makes himself or herself vulnerable. This is who I am. You can do with it what you want. You can praise the good, you can criticize the bad. You can help me see the bad, help me see the good, help me see the bad. And um, in many marriages... Growing the relationship is helping the other partner to understand the good in his life or her life. 
as well as the bad. It can be just as difficult or more difficult to convince the partner of the good, the value. <clears throat> Forgive me, I'm not intending to just do a couple's night here and talk just about marriage, but I do not think, I think it is appropriate to use it heavily because it is our best human illustration. <clears throat> it is our best human illustration. <clears throat> so honesty, a basis for relationship. Honesty, some definition for honesty. Um, you, you, first things that uh, most prominently when we talk about honesty, like I said, we're not necessarily talking about telling a lie. Um, so some of the first definitions that come up are uh, honorable in principles, intentions, actions, not disposed to lie, cheat, or steal, upright. Second definition, showing uprightness and fairness, honest dealings. That would be more in, in, in business. Um, third definition, gained or obtained fairly to earn, for example, an honest living. Fourth definition is what we're looking for. Again, it's always the last definition. Sincere, frank, open. And here's a, a couple examples just that I thought of. Some ways we use it in the word honest in this fourth definition, this fourth sense. Um, an honest face. Ever hear that term? That person has an honest face. Or an honest relationship. It, I mean, we have a really honest relationship with that person. It, it might not mean that that person is just really good to me or really helpful to me or even me to him, but it means that there's a, there's a certain level of trust, a certain level of depth. I might have all my character flaws. He might have all his character flaws. But if we can have an honest relationship, that is a quality all of its own level. <clears throat> so there's a wise man who said this. In thinking about to be honest in a relationship, an honest relationship, or to be painfully honest. Sometimes we use that term. What does that mean to us? Well, um, Here's a quote. Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. Honesty is an expensive gift. Don't expect it from cheap people. And that was by Earl Horst at Micah and Elizabeth's wedding. <clears throat> So let's expand, and expand on this a little bit. <clears throat> Could we say that our relationships are as deep and meaningful and helpful as we are able to give and receive honesty and transparency? <clears throat> so why do you have the relationship? And how? How deep is your relationship? <clears throat> the opposite of an open, honest, transparent relationship, we could say, is a dysfunctional relationship. <clears throat> so a relationship could be measured by the level of honesty. 
in the relationship. There's many other things, ways to measure relationship. There's different personalities or different abilities or different gifts that are used in different ways in each person, each relationship. There's all factor into the uniqueness of each relationship. Um, <clears throat> I have very good relationships with numerous different people. I think of people who have, who have um, ministered to me, who have, who have impacted my life. Leaders in my life, um, those who are older, more mature, I've looked up to and I follow and learn from. And some of them have impacted me huge, in huge ways intellectually. Other people have impacted me in, the, in, in showing me and in their way they relate to me as well. But watching, observing as they uh, performed, uh, I, they've impacted me in their ability to lead. I've learned about leadership. Others have impacted me in the way they care. The way they've cared for me. <clears throat> but when you're talking about how deep is the relationship, I do believe perhaps the best measurement for that is how honest is the relationship. And usually we're talking about not just how honest is a person in a relationship, but how honest is the relationship. Because it goes two ways. If I am going to call for and draw out, cultivate more honesty from the other person, I'm going to have to usually take the initiative to do that myself. To um, <clears throat> demonstrate that. Be the first one to be vulnerable. Be honest. Open. Give examples of my own life where I failed. Now, brother, I see this need in your life. Would you just open your life to me about this? <clears throat> Honesty in relationships. A healthy, growing relationship mostly consists of a growing ability to give and receive honesty. You know, before some of these uh, things were, 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 were forming a burden in my own heart uh, in this thing of, uh, of uh, relationships, uh, <clears throat> I made note of it that numerous times my wife and I looked back over the years in our relationship, and we, we, we noted that a defining thing in our relationship is that we can be more honest with each other. We talk about things, we talk about needs, we talk about problems. There is not a tendency to do an emotional merry-go-round, um, an escalating emotional situation if we have to Look at something in a relationship. One of us has to, has to just be open about the fact that the other is really bothering. It could be something down to the most practical little thing. It could be something that can be a habit. Or it could be something that I carelessly said last week or yesterday. And uh, I can be hurt by the fact that she was hurt. And she can be hurt by the fact that I was hurt that she was hurt. I see some smiles. Have you ever been there? <clears throat> I didn't intend it to. I, you, you got me wrong. You misunderstood me. You didn't understand my heart. <clears throat> the list goes on. But all of those things hinder honesty. It makes me more cautious next time. It makes me less able to be honest. 
because I don't want that kind of cycle. <clears throat> she doesn't want that kind of cycle. <clears throat> but as the years have gone by, we have developed more ability, to be honest, much more quickly and much more deeply. <clears throat> we haven't perfected it. We're only married 17 years, not quite. <clears throat> and uh, let's think about this thing of length relationship. So well, the chemistry in our marriage is different than it is in yours. <clears throat> I guarantee you that. I am not perfectly aligned with my wife. There are things about my life which makes it hard for her to understand me and to love me and to, to fit with my expectations as, you know, and vice versa, as much as it could be. <clears throat> and if I was married to a different person, it would be the same way. It would be a different set of things. So, <clears throat> relationships. Think about the why again. Let's go back to the why. Is should it be a pursuit? Young men, young ladies, you're seeking a partner, considering that someday a partner might come along. Is it right to try to make sure that you align just as perfectly as possible in your personalities? Your chemistry? your values well there's some place for that there needs to be some compatibility there needs to be some similarity of culture there needs to be some similarity of values <clears throat> personality can be a, a consideration but you know what there's this observation that opposites attract sometimes more than others That's a God thing, I believe. That not only does male and female attract, but opposite, op opposites in personality attract. Opposite in gifts. Sometimes even in background. <clears throat> the thing that should and does unify us is our values. What we're willing to give our lives for. What we're willing to sacrifice. What we're willing to, to, to uh, how much we're willing to um, serve God. And maybe in what ways we're willing to serve God. Um, <clears throat> And first of all, do you know and love God to begin with? Some of our values. But why? Why? Your relationship is not to make you feel good. But there is something in my heart, there's a certain amount of motive in my relationships that I want to feel good. I want to be blessed by this relationship. That's natural. It's not wrong. God has created us. He put an emotion back in there in Genesis. He put an emotion in our dynamics relationships that there's rewards that come. There's emotional rewards. But that's not the foundational purpose. He's given us potential to please the other person, to bless the other person, to encourage the other person, to build up, to strengthen, to 
um, compliment the other person. He's given us that ability. But the more that person needs me, that means to that extent I'm probably opposite from that person. And we can function well, and I can fill in the blanks, I can fill in the flat spots, I can compliment that person, but it also means to that extent there's risk of us not using those differences correctly, and we clash. <clears throat> the relationship, the purpose is not for you to feel loved. Well, then it must be to make the other person feel loved. <clears throat> I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give myself. I'm not going to focus on me and what I want. I'm going to focus on the other person, what he or she wants, what she needs, what, uh, what the other person may, may, may desire, uh, preferring the other person. Of course, those are very real things. When you truly love someone, you do those things. But let's think about it. That's really not at the core of God's purpose either. It's not for you to feel loved. It's not even for you to make the other person feel loved or preferred. The purpose is to bring glory to God. Let's turn to Ephesians. The purpose is to know and to be known. It's the revealing. It's finding honesty in your relationships. The ability, growing that ability, that needs to be our pursuit. There's a refrain here in chapter 1 of Ephesians. He predestinated us, in verse 5, to the adoption of children. God predetermined that we're going to find fulfillment relationship when we're rightly positioned with him, adopted as his son or daughter. All right? Verse 6, for what purpose? To the praise of the glory of his grace. For that joy to be unlocked, for that pleasure to happen, for me to please the other person or the other person to please me, our purpose must be focused on God's purpose. And that is that here is a unique opportunity to illustrate God's grace and to make the world say, wow, look at that grace and praise God because of it. Because it is the using of that grace that makes anything good come out of this relationship. Makes even any pleasure come out of the relationship. I'm not talking about transient pleasure. I'm talking about the depth of joy. I'm talking about God's kind of joy. <clears throat> I intended to, as time allows, to, to uh, do some grazing through especially the first three chapters of Ephesians here. Uh, we're not going to take a lot of time for that, but I wanted to point out that one verse. <clears throat> So what do we do with this balancing of the scales? Truth versus relationship. Truth versus, versus relationship. If we can see God has put this relationship into my life so that we can put grace into action and we can use our differences to build up one another, not to clash, that takes grace. It takes supernatural power. The world is all focused about finding the perfect match in a marriage. The right chemistry, even in the workforce. 
And there's, there's, there's the right place to put natural gifts, the right skills, the right talents, the right education, the right experience, the right place, of course, to get the job done. There's a place for that. But we're talking about relationships. We are talking about enabling, putting to work God's grace. And then when there's something good that comes out of it, it's not me. Well, you know, I had to put God's grace to work there. And we worked through it. And we misunderstood each other, but now we understand each other and we love each other anyway. We chose to. It wasn't easy. That person said something wrong. And I, he didn't think of that. It might think, I might think it this way, but I thought of it this way and he was thinking of it this way. And it was horrible. It was untruth. It was a wicked thing that he said and, and he needs to apologize. But grace allows us to come and talk about these things and allow me to understand why and how he said it the way he said it and to be able to look at it from his point of view and to de-escalate his stuff enough that I can even do that. Grace. And that's something that is enough to amaze the world and to draw them to Christ and to bring glory to God. So the chief end of man, as has often been said, is to know God and to bring glory to him. And that, of course, is his purpose in each relationship. Honesty. Is a basis for that. We want to develop a depth of trust, a depth of relation, uh, a depth of, of of knowing one another, that we can seek truth. We can seek the truth of God's word. We can seek the truth of what God wants for our lives, both um, relationally, both practically, doctrinally. The list goes on. We seek truth. We help each other to find truth. We help each other to find nuggets of this truth in each other's lives, in that other person's life, and and that other brother or that other sister in their church or that family member. There is always a nugget. If that person has been born in the Spirit of God, has any desire to love and follow God, or even to get to the point of knowing God, and maybe they, they, they aren't even born again yet, but if that person has any pursuit of truth, any desire for truth, your similar desire for truth can bring you together. So, let's take this a step further. Truth is not in competition with relationship. It is not competing with relationship. Truth, in fact, is the means. It is the method and is the end goal of relationships. If you have that relationship for God's, with God's purpose. If you're going about that relationship with God's grace and you're going to champion his grace and you, and you desire and ultimately will bring glory to his grace. So I have four points here which I had written uh, weeks ago already. Truth in relationships. <clears throat> God designed our relationships to be a medium through which to express truth. Done God's way and done with God's purpose. That's the reality. Um, <clears throat> truth about four things. I found it very interesting. I'll just share this with you. I was um, just before, within whatever, half an hour, an hour before we left the house this morning. I walked upstairs, walked into our bedroom, picked up a book off of our dresser, which uh, I didn't realize we had, but obviously my wife had been reading it. and was laying on our dresser. Uh, Beauty for Ashes by John Koblenz. Some of you are probably aware of it. It's a fairly popular book. Um, how to help those who have been deeply, deeply wounded sexually. <clears throat> and he made these points, and he, he talked about understanding the whole thing, and then steps of where to go from here. And uh, I just glanced over the titles of four, four steps, four sections that he talks about. Very simply, 
they were these almost exact same points in a different order. I actually changed the order. <laughs> First, truth about fallen man. Truth about the wrongness in this world. Face the truth. If you want to heal, you want to grow, you want to go deeper. It might not be to have a big wound, but you want to go deeper. If you want to heal, you want to grow deeper, if you want to progress in a relationship, face the reality of this fallen world. Someone who's trying to emotionally work through an abuse, face the truth. This is what happened. Face the reality of the fallenness in your own heart, but in humanity, the other person, the reality of this fallen world. Face the truth, honesty in relationships. This is the means. Face the truth. To face the truth, it usually requires communication. It usually requires putting it into a thought process that is cohesive, writing it down. And or, or probably at least going on then to the next step, talking to someone about it. This is what happened to me. Or maybe this is what I did. Either way, it's a fallen world. Face the truth. Communicate it. Process it. Get it out there. Understand it. And accept it to some extent. Not that you're going to accept it. I'm just going to always be in this mess and this is just always the way it's going to be and there's no progression beyond this but accept the fact that it happened accept the fact that it can happen face the truth second one face the truth about yourself face the truth about the other person and ultimately be honest face the truth about God our goal is And if you're working through a difficulty in a relationship, these steps will help you to understand more about God. To unlock a depth in relationship with God. And these things are cyclic, praise God. The opposite can also be true. Your depth with God will help you to go deeper in relationship with the other person and more deeply understand and process things yourself and to be armed to face this fallen world. <clears throat> if we do all these fully, we will need to become painfully honest. And to become painfully honest, we must become very invested. It takes time. It takes emotional capacity, care, empathy, and it takes much risk. We need to be careful not to take undue risk. But we cannot stay where we are. We are in relationships. We are moving forward. And God's placed us that way. Our children are growing up. Relationships, you miss them, miss with them at eight years old, you won't gain at 18 years old. Relationships are levels of connection, intimacy you miss when you're married six months. You're not going to get when you're married six years. It's at a different place then. Don't miss it. God is honest with us. He's given us truth. He's given us the painful truth, the naked truth. He's revealed himself. He said horrible things about who we are. Offensive things. So offensive that most of the world can't handle today. Isn't that right? This book is full about him revealing himself. And 
revealing things about us and revealing things about our relationships with each other. Genesis, we saw the inception of that, the, 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 the beginning, the creation of that. And guess what the last book of the Bible is called? Revelation. Revealing again, being honest, making known. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And revelation takes us right on past time and into eternity. Longevity of relationships is a powerful, powerful thing. Most times underestimated. Think about marriage. God instituted marriage to be For life. Never to be terminated or aborted. Committed as far as we are humanly, humanly possible, humanly capable to be there. Do everything we can for that relationship while we have life and breath. It's not about me con- being connected with a perfectly balanced person to just compliment me just perfectly. But it's about my commitment to pursue an ongoing revealing of myself to be known and to do what it takes to draw out and to know the other person. God created the family. Fathers, mothers, we have 20 years, more or less. It's a long time. A lot of length there. A lot of a lot, of, a lot of resource there to use your time, your empathy, and your risk there to parent and to train, to raise up. But God has put us in a multi-generational settings. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, great-grandparents. Some of us have the privilege of knowing great-grandparents. Those things are valuable. The one place where we seem to be willing to handle this thing of the time that it takes quite irresponsibly is in church. It's pretty easy to jump from one church to another. We have a small board of churches all within driving distance. Most places in the world that's not true. But it's not healthy. You know what? There's a whole lot of other churches that would be more perfect than this church. Yep, I'm the one that said a couple weeks ago, thank you for being the perfect church. I'll own both. But there's, depends what you do with the word perfect, there's a lot of places I could be. But I would lose a huge resource. I think that also is reason for us to ask some hard questions to anyone who's coming into this church, from another church particularly. Are you sure? Is it really worth leaving all that resource behind? I remember many memories, but a few very specific, very, very um, strong memories. As a preteen and as a teenager, uh, certain things and instances and times and places in which Brother John counseled me. That's not a small thing. It's been a lot of years. I count a privilege to still be in relationship with him. <clears throat> and I could say the same thing um, <clears throat> different levels with many of you. <clears throat> Let's value 
relationships. And let's value the resources that God has given us for these relationships. Let's seek to understand God's purpose. It's not about us. It's about him. And God bless you all.